0: I grew up in a creationist household. As a child, I often thought about Charles Darwin. I wondered who he was and whether he knew, as my grandfather and the other preachers alleged, that he had been sent to earth to do Satan's work. It seemed an odd reason to make a man, I thought. But then, in the scale of things, perhaps no more odd than the story of God and Satan, tormenting Job or the angels who appeared in Sodom and Gomorrah, no more strange than the pillar of salt that Lot's wife was turned into, or the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I also wondered if, as Satan's man, Darwin might have hooves and scales. But generally, it wasn't a good idea to ask questions about such things. One hot summer's day, when I was around the age of nine or ten, Knowing that I could not ask about Darwin or his ideas without being reprimanded, I went looking for him in the pages of the family Encyclopedia Britannica. The house was empty, my preacher father was away from home, and my mother was out gathering my younger brothers and sisters for the evening prayer meeting. But I still felt fearful as I eased out the volume marked D from the shelves. I knew I could be getting myself into serious trouble, but the page where Darwin should have been was missing. Along the gap there was a perfectly straight stub. The page, my father told me much later, had been razed out by my grandfather sometime in the 1950s. When the encyclopedia volumes had arrived in their wooden crate, My grandfather had summoned the family to the sitting room in their Brighton house to admire them. During this ceremony, he had picked up the D volume and taken a razor to the page, while delivering a sermon about the wickedness of Mr. Charles Darwin. The missing page only made me more determined to find out what Darwin had really said— because we had only a small collection of carefully selected books on the shelves of the family home, including several morality tales such as The Story of Mary Jones and Her Bible, I had already discovered the transgressive pleasures of the school library. There, a few days later, I found another encyclopedia set, and in a stolen moment between lessons, I read as quickly as I could the definitions of evolution, animal-human kinship, and natural selection, convinced that at any moment I might be discovered and denounced. I struggled to understand the complex ideas on the page. I dared not ask questions, however, even of my school teachers, for fear that news of my scientific interest might be revealed at a parent-teacher evening. Questions multiplied in my head. I began to daydream about half-animal, half-human forms, molten landscapes, and prehistoric worlds. When my parents later joined a moderate Anglican church and developed more permissive views, later, still, when my father had lost his faith and my mother had allowed us to work out our own beliefs for ourselves— when, as a teenager, I had the freedom to pursue my own intellectual curiosities unchecked. I continued to feel the simultaneous magnetism and free zone of danger when I wandered, as I often did, back to library shelves containing books on Darwin or evolution or genetics. I still feel it. Certain curiosities perhaps especially those that arise out of childhood prohibition and transgression, are not sated by a lifetime's reading and thinking. Evolution opened up a new way of seeing the world for me that was quite different from the one I had grown up with, but not necessarily any easier to understand or any less odd or extraordinary.